I am George Anderson. I am Elizabeth Link. I am Ben Brannan. We are going on a journey through the Gospel of Mark with a sermon series titled, Reimagined. Together, we'll explore why the Gospel is in such a hurry for readers to get to know and keep up with Jesus. Today's sermon is a stop along the way of that journey. Join us as we reflect on what was, rethink what is, and reimagine what will be. Please join your hearts with me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and minds be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We continue our sermon series in the Gospel of Mark this morning, picking up the good news story in Mark chapter 10. Our passage may be found on page 817 of your pew Bible, If you would like to follow along, please receive this reading of Mark 10, verses 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus in order that he might touch them, and the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I cannot begin to tell you how many photos and videos my husband Chris and I have of our daughter on our smartphones. We have saved nearly everything. Clips of baby gurgles and first steps up to the most recent video of our three-and-a-half-year-old Eleanor walking her baby doll around the house on her hip with our patient-as-Job dog on a leash and laps around and around the inside of our house. Our dog is a saint. If you are an aunt or an uncle, a grandparent or a friend, no doubt you have received some unsolicited photos or videos via text or social media of children in your circle doing both adorable and very mundane things. On behalf of parents everywhere, I apologize. It's so hard not to click share. Ours is a culture that says it values children. Our church has a preschool founded decades ago to nurture and teach young girls and boys. Our worship service has a special time for children. We have programs like Children Worship and Wonder, Sunday School, Kids Fellowship, and Children's Choirs. Our nursery staff and children's ministry volunteers are carefully chosen, trained, and background checked. We value these children as family, having vowed at their baptisms to help raise and care for them. They are an important part of our family of faith. It is hard for us to imagine it now, but in the first century Hellenistic world, children were of little account. They were the property of their fathers. In fact, if a father didn't claim a child, that child was often left out in the elements. 
as part of a household, children were seen as almost non-people. Certainly there were parents who loved their children, but those children had no legal rights, no influence, no standing. They were utterly dependent, utterly powerless, utterly vulnerable. Most reports about children in Mark's gospel indicate to us that childhood was a treacherous stage of life. We hear about daughters who die in chapter 5, a child who is demon-possessed in Mark 7, a son seized by a spirit in Mark 9, children who are servants, children who are rejected, left alone, and betrayed. History tells us that in ancient agrarian societies, up to 50% of all children never reach the age of two. What a tenuous, dangerous stage of life. In Mark 10, Jesus is on the road to Jerusalem with his disciples. The people crowded around him wherever he went. At some point, he's entered a house to teach and preach. The crowds have grown so numerous that people are spilling out of the house and listening out in the sun through the open door and open windows. It's during this scene that someone, perhaps many, have the idea that they should bring their children to Jesus, that maybe he would bless them. It was an unusual choice, really. And it's not too hard for us to imagine why the disciples might try to stop them. Jesus is busy doing and saying important things. Surely it's someone's job to protect Jesus' time from the disruptive little people. Just before we've come to our passage, Jesus has announced his intention to go to Jerusalem and die. In response, the disciples had argued about who was the greatest. Jesus, in turn, tells them that to be great is to serve. And the very heart of the kingdom is about welcoming the powerless, the vulnerable. In fact, he says in Mark 9 that whoever welcomes and honors a child, one who has the least status and power in the ancient world, you're actually welcoming and honoring Jesus. Now on the heels of this conversation about the purpose of the law, here in Mark 10, some folks bring their children to be blessed and the disciples try to keep them away. It's easy for us to judge the disciples. But it's possible we might have behaved similarly. In my previous church, Second Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis, the worship services were large, and the sanctuary seats 800 people. On big church days like Easter, each worship service was packed. This particular Easter Sunday, the choir processed through the sanctuary and on up into the choir loft, which is a large balcony in the rear of the sanctuary. Their song was powerful. There were guest musicians, the choir voices swelled, and the Easter joy reached a crescendo. Now there's something you should know about Second Indy. The formality of the worship space the stone floors, the carefully choreographed worship services could give the undertone that children were expected to be seen and not heard. Though that church really is warm and inviting, at first glance, especially to a child, the place is austere and intimidating. 
When the choir finished their opening anthem that Sunday, no one made a sound. You could have heard a pin drop until Matthew started cheering. Probably about eight years old at the time, Matthew's autistic. He had hung on every motion of the choir's movement through that sanctuary, every note of the trumpet's tune. And as the choir turned and moved up to their balcony loft, Matthew moved with them, turning a whole 180 degrees, never taking his eyes off them. His parents said they were thrilled to see him so engaged. But when the music stopped and a deafening hush fell over the full formal sanctuary, Matthew stood up on his feet in the pew, turned around facing the choir loft, and clapped his hands as if his favorite team had just scored the winning goal, and he cried out loud up to the choir loft, Thank you! For those of us who knew Matthew, it was a beautiful moment. He surely was saying what we all were thinking. But for most of the adults in that crowded sanctuary, the child's behavior was, quite frankly, way out of line. Heads jerked in the family's direction, and Matthew's mother turned beet red as she tried to coax her precious, exuberant son back down into the pew. So I can picture Mark's scene. The disciples and other curious folk gathered in close, listening to Jesus, when a gaggle of children burst through the door, boys and girls, loud, dusty, snotty-nosed, hair tangled and askew, pushed into the room by parents seeking hope, seeking more, seeking a better life for their children somehow through the touch of this man. Jesus welcomed not just one such child, but many. He welcomed them. He laid his hand on their heads and he blessed them. Jesus made space, physical and instructional space, for children of all ages. Unlike his disciples, he doesn't chase the children away from the adults so they could have important adult conversations. Instead, he hugs the children. He reminds the disciples that the kingdom of God is for them, too. Six days out of seven, Eleanor and I make the trip from our house in Raleigh Court here to Mountain Avenue. We always take the same route down Memorial and pass the bright white steeple of Heights Community Church. Often as we're driving, the scene sparks a theological question from our daughter. Mommy, where is God? Mommy, is God up there at the top of that church? And she'll often say surprising little one-liners like, Mommy, before I was born, I was with God. And Mommy, please be quiet. I'm talking to God right now. Clearly, she knows how to get her pastor mother to turn off the morning edition news on the way to school. But maybe she makes those comments because to her, at every little moment, she's open to the possibility. The possibility that God's kingdom is just within reach. Children have the incredible ability 
to be open to possibility. They don't write things off as impossible because the world tells them that it's so. They are wide open to the mystery. To enter the kingdom of heaven, one must receive the kingdom like a child. Jesus' command to welcome children is not only about our children. Just 10 days ago, Children's Trust hosted an event in the Roanoke City Market where the names of 15,277 children who were victims of child abuse in Southwest Virginia were lifted up. These victims were from the past year alone, and these are the ones that were reported. It took over half a day to read their names aloud. Jane Doe, Roanoke County, 15 years old. John Doe, Botetourt County, 8 years old. Jane Doe, Roanoke City, 2 years old. John Doe, Roanoke City, 6 months old. The names went on like this for hours. The numbers are overwhelming. It's too many. As I stood and listened, I thought of our gospel text. I hoped and prayed that these precious children, our children, might someday know the love and safety those children felt in Jesus' arms. Brothers and sisters, we have work to do. Our children need Jesus more than ever before. Our children need us more than ever before. Each child, boy or girl, regardless of race or social or economic status, each child should grow up believing that they are loved, they are capable, and that they belong. That they have value because the God who created them in the very beginning is the God who welcomed them into their arms, the God who lays his hands upon their head and blesses them even now. Our Lord Jesus says, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. It is our job to do the same, to welcome those children, to welcome their questions and wonder, to protect them, to pray for them, to look to them as exemplars of joy, trust, and possibility. We know that Jesus' blessing is for each and every child as it is for each and every one of us. And so I wonder, when was the last time someone blessed you? It's not a common practice in many of our circles. In fact, it's a practice largely lost in many Protestant spheres. Today is Preschool Sunday, so I feel like I could get away with asking you to stretch yourselves a smidge. So take a deep breath with me. And I want you to take your thumb and draw a cross on your forehead. If you're sitting next to your child, draw a cross on their forehead. Let's do it together again 
And this time, let us say, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Remember this blessing. Jesus loves you. Your pastor loves you. If you have a child at home, I encourage you to offer such a blessing every morning when you and your child part. Make the sign of the cross and remind them Jesus loves you and I do too. Jesus loves you and I do too. Jesus gave his blessing freely. So why shouldn't we? The covenant is there for you. You inherit this grace. Friends, Christ's kingdom is wide. His welcome is for you. And as a child, may you receive this gift with open arms. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.